The opening years of the 21st century find Americans and American media systems and political systems at something of a crossroad. The political communication system that held sway for many years has eroded. The dominance of the free broadcast networks, which held until the early 1980s, has been eclipsed by the proliferation of cable channels. Readerships for that old standby, the Metropolitan Newspaper, are growing steadily older and smaller. New formats, such as radio talk shows, tabloidized news, reality television, and late-night variety shows, have moved increasingly into the realm of politics. The rise of the Internet and the World Wide Web makes for political communication that does not simply erase previous boundaries of space and time, but is more specialized, more customized to the individual, and full of new opportunities for interactivity. This situation today resembles the era in the 1920s and 1930s leading up to the creation of the Federal Communications Commission, FCC, when decisions cemented a mass media system that lasted for many decades. The climactic establishment of the FCC ended up facilitating a limited number of commercial broadcasters rather than a wide range of diverse non-profit stations. We could well expect a similarly substantial impact from policy decisions about the future development of and access to such forms of communication as cable, satellite broadcasting, and the Internet and web. Yet discussions about the public policies we should pursue in the United States to ensure the kind of political communication that we want as individuals and that we need as a society and polity are oddly incomplete. Part of the problem is undoubtedly as media scholar Leo Bogart has written, the crazy quilt of regulations that constitute our ad hoc national media policy, one that even its most dedicated interpreters find hard to make sense of, much less apply in any rational way. Yet an enormous array of public policies deals with information. Media organizations have always benefited and continue to benefit from policies and practices in government that defray the cost of news gathering and news distribution and thereby subsidize the news. Some of these policies were decided by Congress. Publications have been sent through the mail by lower postal rates or occasionally even for free since before the American Revolution. The vast majority of media organizations are privately owned but prone to economic regulation, particularly for television and radio. But print media also have benefited from regulation that tends to discourage new competition and enhance the profitability of their enterprises. At the same time, media organizations often ask for and sometimes receive exemption from forms of regulation that apply to other business enterprises. Other subsidies occur not by laws but through day-to-day -day practice. The public relations apparatus found in virtually every office at every level of American government underwrites the costs of journalists producing news. Any individuals who can document being bona fide correspondents of good standing in their profession have remarkable access to institutions, newsmakers, and information otherwise denied to the average citizen. Finally, subsidies arise from judicial interpretations of freedom of the press. Supreme Court decisions have made it difficult to win a conviction on the grounds of libel, narrowed on the basis for prior restraint of publication and struck down limitations on journalistic autonomy, such as state laws mandating a right to reply in newspapers. If news organizations do not get what they want out of the court, Congress may deliver its own version of freedom of the press 
as in the Newspaper Protection Act, which exempts an economically endangered newspaper from the liability of antitrust legislation when it combines its physical plant with a competitor. Over the last 40 years, the net effect has been to decrease governmental restrictions on news media, even while the reliance on subsidies, whether explicit or not, has increased. The political communication system we have now in the United States is thus, at least in part, the result of public policy. Yet discussions of how to proceed have been truncated. Despite the portent of this moment, there is surprisingly little political or public attention to the prospect of how best to pursue a media system that fulfills the demands of a democratic polity. Why?